Thursday, March 28, 2019. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from Denver, Colorado. I am right here in the Mile High City. You know, if you are tired of that same old sports talk, and maybe you live in an area where you have that local sports talk, and you just hear the same subjects, and maybe it's the same local subjects. I know here in Denver, if you turn on sports talk, you're going to hear about the Denver Broncos. Hey, I love the Denver Broncos more than anyone. I don't want to hear about it 365 days out of the year. And if you have that same thing wherever you live, make sure you tune into the Daily Dose. We are going to give you something a little bit different. If you are tired of that same sports talk, the arguments, the callers, the nonsense, tune into the dose. You're going to like it a little bit better. Hey, happy Thursday to you. We are plowing through another week and happy birthday to Los Angeles Lakers head coach Luke Walton, who turns 39 years of age today. Of course, he is the son of all-time great Bill Walton, but Luke Walton played his college ball at the University of Arizona before he played a few seasons for the Lakers, among other teams in the NBA. But then we really saw Luke Walton kind of make a name for himself in the coaching world when he was an assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors. Remember that? He had to cover for head coach Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr was missing all that time when he was leaking spinal fluid and Luke Walton came in and did a phenomenal job. He actually had a better record during his time than Kerr did. Then, of course, Luke got the head coaching job with the Los Angeles Lakers. And it really started to look last year like maybe he was going to do some similar things with the Lakers that he had done with Golden State. Remember, those young kids were doing some good things. They were playing hard every single night. We were starting to look at the Lakers and say, hey, this team could really take off. People were starting to get excited about that. Yes, the Lakers were under-talented, but they were doing some good things, and Luke Walton's future looked really, really bright, just like a year ago. Wasn't that long ago. And then, of course, the Lakers got LeBron James. They got the guy that we keep hearing is the greatest basketball player in the history of sports, and suddenly, I don't know how this worked out, Luke Walton seems to be a bumbling idiot. He doesn't know how to design an offense. He doesn't know how to motivate. He doesn't know how to get this team to play hard. He has no idea what he's doing. And now we're all just sitting around waiting for Luke Walton to get fired at literally any second because he's so dumb and inept. (laughs) Man, you are one pathetic loser. It must suck to get dumb that fast. I mean, he turns 39 today. You wouldn't think he was past his prime coaching-wise, but all of a sudden, Luke Walton just looks like a moron. You know, we actually might have to talk a little bit more about those Lakers here in a few minutes on the show. Hey, if you would like to contact the show, maybe you'd like to tell us your favorite coach killer of all time. Yeah, I threw that in there with LeBron James. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us over on Twitter or Facebook. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports. Head over there, follow us. You'll get a link to the podcast every day, and we also do throw up some random thoughts here or there. Plus, like I said, if you need to contact us, that is seriously one of the fastest ways that you can do so. Also, make sure you stop by tpublic.com and go get some of the new Daily Dose gear that is up over there. We have our new Daily Dose investigation team gear over at TeePublic. We've got t-shirts, we've got sweatshirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, a number of Daily Dose items over there. Make sure you stop by tpublic.com and pick up your Daily Dose gear. Hey, we've got a lot to get to today. As usual, we do have a few sports news stories that we need to get to. 
But then don't forget the NCAA tournament does pick up again tonight. We've got four Sweet 16 games. We are going to take a little bit of a closer look at which way those games might go. And as we do on most Thursdays, we try to get to a few sports media overreactions of the week because it seems like every single week, the sports media world is telling us some things that don't always make the most sense. On Thursdays, we like to dig into them a little bit deeper and see, do these make any sense whatsoever or are they just feeding us some more nonsense? I hate to tell you, but usually it is nonsense, but stick around and we will see if we can get to a few sports media overreactions this week as well. Do have a few things coming out in the world of breaking news though. They are saying that the 2024 Olympics in Paris could have a few new events. Yeah, are you ready for some new events at the Olympics? The International Olympic Committee's executive board has recommended adding, are you ready for these? Skateboarding, eh, I guess. Sports climbing, uh, yeah, I suppose. Surfing, yeah, I like surfing. And breakdancing to the Paris program when the full membership meets again in June. Breakdancing? You sure about that? You know, a final decision must be made by the board in December of 2020 after further monitoring each of the four events. IOC President Thomas Bach says the more youthful and urban, yes, he said urban, sports offer new opportunities to connect with the younger generation. Now, of course, breakdancing would be a new addition. The other three, sports climbing, skateboarding, and surfing, they are already confirmed for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics lineup. But... I think when we look at these events, this is an obvious attempt to try to pull those younger viewers in. As much as a lot of us like Olympics, I don't know how many of the young kids are watching it. Maybe bring in surfing, sports climbing, skateboarding, and I don't know, breakdancing. Is breakdancing really cool among the young kids? I don't know if that's really a thing. But you know, being an Olympic breakdancing champ, really, wouldn't that be one of the weirder things that you could have a medal for? Like, hey, what'd you get your medal for? Like track and field? No, no. I was at the Olympics though. Yeah, I see. You got, you got that medal. It's pretty cool. Well, you know, what did you get in it? Uh, I was breakdancing. Hmm. Well, I guess that's one way to go. Like I'm trying to imagine, you know, some of those great calls, like the Mary Lou Retton call or something like that. And Oh, he nailed the spinning on his head, Bob. I think he just might pull off a medal in this event. Now, me personally, I don't think I'm watching that, but there's a lot of events in the Olympics that I don't watch. Like I don't watch the interpretive dance. I don't watch that uh, dancing with the ball or the flag or any of that stuff. So, I mean, if you want to watch it and you enjoy that, knock yourself out. What do I care? But what is the uniform for the breakdancing team? Like, do you have Team USA parachute pants? Do you have a Team USA cardboard box that you spin on? I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that are going to be opened up there. A couple other things coming out in the world of breaking news. The majority owner of the Alliance of American Football told USA Today Sports yesterday that the league is already in danger of folding if they don't get some help from the NFL Players Association. Tom Dundon, who became the AAF's chairman last month, told USA Today Sports in a recent interview that the NFL Players Association is not cooperating with the AAF because they are refusing to allow the first-year league to use young NFL players. If the players' union is not going to give us young players, we can't be a developmental league. Dundon went on to say, we are looking at our options, and one of those is discontinuing the league. Now, Dundon said he expects to make a decision about the league's future over the next two days, but the NFLPA, they're not saying anything about it. Like, they don't really seem to care one bit. 
Dundon, who also owns the NHL's Carolina Hurricanes, made a $250 million investment in the AAF last month after the league was already in danger of not being able to pay any of their employees. The league only has eight teams in it, and they were hoping it would be a developmental league to the NFL. They started playing right after the last Super Bowl. But the league is only seven games into its 10-game regular season. Seven games? That's all the longer that you've lasted. I mean, when you think about that, who planned this out? Because you might sit there and look at a league and say, yeah, you know, we've got two or three years max, and then we're going to be out. You only got seven games out of this league, and you're already looking at folding up the tents and moving on? That tells me you did some really, really poor planning or some really, really poor spending. Is Congress running the AAF? That's the only thing that would make sense to me. I mean, you've only lasted seven games. I mean, Philip Rivers lasted longer than that in the celibacy contest we had earlier this week. The AAF seems like they have made a number of mistakes in that league so far. One final story coming out that I suppose we should touch on. Oakland Raiders owner Mark Davis says he would rather fire John Gruden than have his team appear on HBO's Hard Knocks, the training camp reality series this summer. Of course, teams are exempt from consideration if they have a first-year coach. The Raiders don't have that. If they have played in the postseason the past two years, the Raiders haven't done that. Or if they have already been on hard knocks in the previous 10 years, the Raiders haven't done any of those things. So the Raiders are one of the five NFL teams eligible for the show this year, along with the Detroit Lions, the San Francisco 49ers, the New York Giants, and the Washington Redskins. But Mark Davis said the timing for an appearance just doesn't feel right to him. It would be disruptive, Davis said. We've got a lot of business to take care of. We've got to get ready for the season. I appreciate that they might think we'd be great TV, but we got something to accomplish. But the Raiders do have a ton of storylines. I mean, the Hard Knocks Oakland Raiders version, it would be pretty interesting, wouldn't it? You have Antonio Brown now. You have Vontaze Burfecht now. How are those two guys going to be getting along with quarterback Derek Carr? How are they going to get along with head coach John Gruden? Hey, if you just followed Gruden around all day, I think you'd probably be entertained. Plus, don't forget, the Raiders have four of the top 35 draft picks in this spring's NFL draft, so they're going to have some more talent, you would think. So I know Mark Davis is saying it would be disruptive and it would be bad, but here's the question I have when we're talking about disruptive. What have the Oakland Raiders been doing for, say, the past, I don't know, 17, 18 years? Because... You didn't have any interruptions. You didn't have to be on hard knocks. You weren't getting disrupted whatsoever. And yet, they have been a massive hot dumpster fire. What was the excuse then? What has changed now? Hey, if I'm the NFL, I'm sorry. I'm going with the Raiders. That is absolutely the most entertaining story out there. I want to see the Oakland Raiders, and I want to see the dysfunction that goes on in that clubhouse. That wouldn't even be close for me. We'll see if Mark Davis is tough words of, I'd rather fire John Gruden than have that show come in here. Yeah, okay, why don't you go ahead and do that? I don't think you're going to. Hey, coming back, the NCAA tournament does start back up tonight. We are going to have four Sweet 16 matchups going, and we have some really good ones going. We're going to take a look at each of them when we get back. Plus, we do have a few sports media overreactions this week. We need to get to those as well. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, whether it's for yourself Maybe you have birthdays coming up. Maybe you have holidays coming up. Just remember, you might want to head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. 
April's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Showdown. When the time for talking is over and there are scores to be settled, these pop culture heavy hitters are always ready for a showdown. Hey, join us as we celebrate iconic battles with epic gear. April's Loot Crate theme features items from Captain Marvel, Aquaman, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters. But remember, if none of those franchises interest you, you can always go over to Loot Crate. You can choose from a selection of crates. You can get a monthly subscription of crates that'll arrive in your mailbox every month. Or you can just go over there and order individual items. And remember, they have a ton of things in any franchise that you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, make sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for listening to The Daily Dose. So like I said, the Sweet 16 does get rolling tonight. It starts at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So do whatever you have to do. If you've got to get out of work, you've got to get home, you've got to get in front of a TV, you've got to go to your favorite hangout, do what you need to do. Just tell them The Daily Dose said it was okay. Tell your boss, tell your work, The Daily Dose said it was okay for me to leave a little bit early from work today. I usually get out at 5 I'm going to take out at 4.45 so I can stop by my favorite establishment and watch these games. Because we have four games that could be very, very entertaining tonight. Let's take a quick look at each of the games tonight and try to get an idea of what you might expect. First game, starting at 5 p.m., you have the number four seed Florida State Seminoles facing the number one seed Gonzaga Bulldogs. And I actually think, even though this is the first game, and a lot of times when they schedule these games, they schedule... Some of the worst ones a little bit earlier because maybe people can't get off work. Maybe they can't get home in time to see them. So they schedule some of the worst matchups earlier. This isn't the case here. This is a really good matchup. In fact, I think this might be one of the better games we have tonight because while Gonzaga has been largely untested so far in the tournament, they have been blowing people out. Hey, Florida State is tough enough to give them all that they want. Florida State completely shut down Murray State guard John Morant. They've got size. They've got physicality. They will battle with Gonzaga. And the biggest concern I've had for Gonzaga all season has been their guards. They had better bring it tonight. Gonzaga is favored by seven in this game. Now, I like the Zags because I like Brandon Clark. I think he's an explosive player. I think he is a clutch player. And in a big game, I think Brandon Clark will actually have a pretty good night tonight. But what I want to see is can Gonzaga point guard Josh Perkins, can he handle that Florida State defense? I like the Zags to win. I think seven points might be too much. I think I might pick Florida State to cover that, but I would still take Gonzaga to get the win. That is the first game at 5 p.m. At 5.30, we have our second matchup getting started as the number three Purdue Boilermakers are going to be facing the number two Tennessee Volunteers. Now, the Volunteers are favored by one here. So that tells you all you need to know. This should be a very tight game. This should be a really, really fun matchup. Purdue is going to do their best to see if they can grind down Tennessee. Can Tennessee play defense for an extended period of time? We know Tennessee is really athletic. We know they're really quick. They like to run the floor. They like to get out and push the ball. But can they sit down and play defense for 20, 25 seconds? Because I think that's exactly what Purdue's going to want them to do. Guard Carson Edwards can flat out shoot it. We saw him put up 42 points earlier in the tournament. But the one thing I want to see, if he comes out and he is being impatient and he is chucking his shot up for Purdue, yeah, he could shoot Purdue right out of this game. He had better slow down and he had better let the game come to him. Tennessee, of course, they are extremely athletic. 
they will try to play a much faster paced game. You know, a lot of times when you're watching previews, you'll hear coaches or you'll hear the experts saying, you know, who can control the tempo? If you want to look at a game that could really come down to who controls the tempo, it might be Purdue versus Tennessee. Because if they're trying to play fast, I think that favors Tennessee heavily. But if it is a slow down, if it is a walk it up, if it is a long possession type of game, then Purdue is going to be very, very tough to beat. And one thing I want to see with Tennessee, can Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams find success inside because they are going to see some serious size for Purdue. They've got some size starting and they bring some big guys in off the bench as well. I think I would take Purdue in this game. I like how tough they are. I like how well they're playing right now, but I think this should be a great one. Moving on to the 7:30 game tonight. The third game on the docket will feature the number three Texas Tech Red Raiders against the number two Michigan Wolverines. And looking at this game, I really think we have the two best defensive teams in the country matching up here. I think that the Michigan Wolverines could be the best defensive team left in the tournament. But tonight, they're actually facing the other team that could be the best defensive team left in the tournament. Because Texas Tech, they will flat out play defense. They just held Buffalo, a team that is averaging 85 points a game to 58 points in the second round. Hey, this Texas Tech-Michigan game, it is going to be a defensive war. If you're not thrilled with the high-scoring games, like if the high-scoring games don't do that much for you, turn on Texas Tech versus Michigan. You are going to see a low-scoring defensive battle and who can grind it out and make plays when they have to. Now, the over-under on this game is 126 points scored. I think I would seriously consider betting the under on this. This might be a low-scoring defensive battle. The final game tonight looks a little bit lopsided from the outside because we have the number 12 Oregon Ducks who have somehow played their way into the Sweet 16. They managed to knock off Wisconsin in the first round, and then they beat UC Irvine in the second round. They will be facing the number one seed Virginia Cavaliers who have bounced back from that first round loss to a 16 seed a year ago. And you have to look at Virginia now since they got past the first round and they look dominant in the second round. Hey, Virginia is a legitimate contender. Yes, they're always going to play that physical defense under head coach Tony Bennett. That's just what Virginia does. But they might have more athleticism than people think they do, especially when you look at a guy like DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter can flat out play, and he is as athletic as anyone in the ACC. Virginia is favored by eight and a half points in that game, though. And I think they win this game, but Virginia doesn't usually put up huge points. I would be nervous about how many points that is. I don't know. I might actually take Oregon to cover if I were betting on that game. But there are the four games coming to you tonight. You are going to want to make sure you get near a TV because we have four games that could be excellent to watch. We'll keep an eye on the Sweet 16 tonight. And then again, tomorrow night on Friday, the rest of the Sweet 16 will get going. Okay, so we need to switch over to our Thursday overreactions of the week because like I said, on a lot of Thursdays, we like to take a look around at the sports media world and just see what silly things they might be telling us and just saying it like it's just gospel. Hey, here's just some obvious information that everyone out there should know. And then you listen to it and you think about it and you go, yeah, that doesn't sound like that really makes any sense at all. So on Thursdays, a lot of times, we take a closer look at some of the sports media overreactions that are being tossed around out there. We've got a few for you here today. 
that we have been hearing around the sports media world. And one of the first ones that I'm hearing, and you can go to almost any sports media network right now, and you will hear the same thing. LeBron James is one of the all-time greats. And because of the struggles of the Los Angeles Lakers this year, we're really starting to see LeBron James be disrespected by fans, by players, by teams, and by a number of people in the media. And the media is telling us this. The media is saying, there's a lot of people disrespecting LeBron James right now. Yeah, you mean you guys? You guys are the ones writing these stories. We're not. We're just hearing it all. The sports media is drumming this up as much as anyone. But now that the Los Angeles Lakers have collapsed and they have been eliminated from the playoffs, there are a lot of people out there that are piling on LeBron James right now. Maybe he's too old. Maybe he's past his prime. And I do think it probably is too early for that. I don't think LeBron James is done just yet. In fact, this latter part of the season, he actually has been playing pretty well. So maybe some people are going too far in bearing LeBron James just yet. But I will say this, the failure of LeBron James this year, oh, it has been very, very real. I think once again, LeBron and the Lakers are a victim of people acting like they were going to be contenders this year. I don't know that you would look at LeBron's specific play and say he failed as a player, maybe as a teammate, maybe as a leader, but as a player, no, LeBron's still playing at a very high level. I think the biggest problem for the Lakers has been everyone jumped on the bandwagon and said, hey, they might go to the Western Conference Finals and challenge the Warriors. Yeah, they're not going to do that. They were never going to do that. This team has way too many flaws. But there is one thing we should be very clear about. LeBron has gotten over on a very soft Eastern Conference over these past few years. And I know a lot of people in the sports media were saying, well, hey, look how many NBA Finals he has gotten his team to. Uh, Yeah, sort of. But keep in mind, that Eastern Conference has been horrible. Not sort of bad, not kind of bad. It's been horrible. If you would have seeded the top 16 teams all the way through the NBA without consideration for conference, the Eastern Conference would have got like three teams in for the past seven, eight, ten years. That's a bad conference that he's been getting over on. And now LeBron's not in the East. And the power play of trying to get Anthony Davis to join him in LA completely backfired. And the young players on this Lakers team who were playing well at times last year, now they've totally quit on LeBron. And that goes back to his leadership or the lack thereof. LeBron James has never been the easiest guy to play with. And that has been magnified by 10 this year. Is it too early to throw dirt on him as a player? Yes. Has he had some huge flaws this year? Again, yes. Let's see, another sports media reaction we have heard this week. Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo needs to apologize for yelling at one of his players in the tournament. If you missed it, Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo lost it on freshman Aaron Henry during the Spartans' first round win over Bradley last week. Henry kept losing his man defensively. And when he came out of the game, Izzo let him know about it in no uncertain terms. And then, of course, in our American society, they were having meetings They were asking for like a public apology from Izzo. Well, sometimes in life, you do something wrong and you get yelled at. Izzo didn't slap him or grab him or choke him or do anything physical to him. And it sure didn't seem to bother Henry. And I will say this, Aaron Henry took the verbal correction like a man. He didn't complain about it. He said, no, I lost my man. I deserve to get yelled at. Again, though, this is the typical nonsense that we hear sometimes by sports media people. 
that never played. They never coached. They were never really in the game. They watched it from the stands and they wrote on their notepad. Hey, I have coached with and against screamers. I have coached with and against quiet guys. I have coached with and against guys that literally scared me to death. But as long as you aren't demeaning a kid, as long as you aren't being physical with the kid, yelling at him, yeah, that's not a bad thing. Sometimes in life, you get yelled at. You might get yelled at by a professor in your class in college. You might get yelled at by your boss in the corporate world. It isn't the end of the world. You learn from it and you move on. Not every conversation needs to end with a hug. I don't have any problem with what Tom Izzo did. Another overreaction we're getting this week is that Duke superstar Zion Williamson is a can't-miss superstar. Hey, folks, get ready. He is going to take the NBA by storm. And I'll be the first to admit, I hope it's true. I like the kid. I like him a lot. I think he is bringing a ton of excitement to the college basketball tournament that is desperately needed. But I'm also old enough to know I've seen a lot of can't-miss guys. I've seen a lot of guys that were going through college and everyone was saying, oh, that guy is can't miss. He is going to be so amazing. Just wait until he gets to the league. And they said it about guys like Sam Bowie. They said it about guys like Greg Oden and Michael Oluwakandi and Marcus Pfizer and Purvis Ellison and Billy Owens. They were all can't miss guys too. And then they missed. Now I am cheering for Zion Williamson. I genuinely am but we don't have any idea what's going to happen. Does he look like one of the best young prospects to come out of college basketball in a long, long time? Like, I don't know, maybe since Tim Duncan or something? Possibly, we'll see. But again, we have heard can't miss about a number of players and then they missed. Let's just enjoy Zion Williamson right now while we have him and we still get to watch him a little bit longer. Switching over to the NFL, I have heard a few sports media overreactions over there as well. And one of the things we're hearing is that the Kansas City Chiefs might fail to live up to all their hype. Hey, it's not starting well. Yes, they still have a lot to be excited about out in Kansas City after just coming up a few points short to the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. But now, wide receiver Tyreek Hill is being charged with domestic violence. This is not a good start for the Kansas City Chiefs, who honestly should be considered the favorite in the AFC. And I'll be honest, I'll listen to some of this. I'm not going to dismiss this right away. Here's one thing I want you to think about. Remember last year when the Kansas City Chiefs cut running back Kareem Hunt because they said then they had a policy they don't have domestic abusers in that franchise. Remember that? And we even said then, Well, what about Tyreek Hill? Because he had a domestic incident just after college, but they kind of pushed that aside. Now it's happened again. So based on the Chiefs moves last year and what they told us last year, hey, we don't employ guys like that. The Kansas City Chiefs do things a little bit better. We don't keep guys like Kareem Hunt. They cut him. That's how we do business here. We don't keep domestic abusers. Well, here's your chance to show us again. Was that just talk or are you really going to prove it? But I'll say this. If the Chiefs do cut or move Tyreek Hill, yeah, that changes some things for that Chiefs offense because he can stretch the field on every single play. I'm not going to say that's the end of the Chiefs and that they're not going to contend this year, but that would definitely change the look of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And I think we all know the strength of that team is the offense. It isn't anywhere else. You lose Tyreek Hill, it's going to change some things drastically. I want to wait and see how they handle it. 
I want to see if they come out and they're quite as self-righteous as they were last year when they told us they don't keep people like that on the team. Because right now, it looks like they sort of do. So I guess we'll wait and see on that one. But the Kansas City Chiefs are not having the offseason that they wanted to. That's for sure. Finally, I have one last sports media overreaction of the week. And again, you can go to any sports media outlet and you can hear the same thing. The new instant replay rule in the NFL, where they can now look at pass interference calls and non-calls, and they can review them on instant replay, is going to be a huge improvement for that league. After that horrible non-call last year in the NFC Championship game, this is definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Because here's what I'm thinking is going to happen. At the end of every single close game now, aren't we just going to see Hail Marys? And then we are either going to see a coach or a booth challenge. And then that play is going to go straight to the replay booth to see if anyone got interfered with on those plays. Think of some of those scrums we have seen at the end of those games. Both the offense and the defense are guilty. They're both grabbing each other. They're both jockeying for position. I don't want every single NFL game to end on an instant replay review. And that is what I think is going to happen. It is going to be absolutely painful to watch. Hey, if I am the offensive team, I might consider throwing more Hail Marys because how many times on replay do we see like a small arm grab? Doesn't really affect the play, but it doesn't get called. Well, now by the book, we can replay that. And hey, look, he grabbed his arm. You need to overturn that. We should get the ball at the one. And all of a sudden, that game's not over. Those kind of calls could be called every single time. And again, it goes back to the same thing we've said on the dose here again and again. We are asking way too much of these NFL refs. They are being second guessed on every single play. And by adding pass interference, they're being second guessed even more. If I'm an NFL ref, I never throw my flag on pass interference again because I say, hey, they're going to review it anyways. Why throw it? I'm going to get second guessed no matter what I do. So I just won't throw it and I'll let it go to the booth instead. Now, I am still waiting for the language as far as how this rule is going to be interpreted. And it's going to be very interesting to see what they say. Is it going to say something about it must be an egregious pass interference call? Because will they define egregious to us? I really do think this might have been a bit of an overreaction by the NFL after that missed call in the playoff. Hey, sometimes calls get missed. And I understand it sucks. But sometimes that's just part of the game. Here's what I want to see more than anything, though. I want to see if the same sports media people and the same NFL fans that right now are proclaiming victory and saying this is going to be a better rule for the NFL, I want to see if they're still saying it at the end of the season. Because I have a suspicion that they might not feel the same way. Hey, tomorrow on The Daily Dose, we will, of course, be recapping the biggest news in the world of sports. Plus, we will have our weekend sports preview. Hey, it should be a very fun weekend. We're going to have a lot of college basketball this weekend with the Sweet 16 finishing up and the Elite 8 running on Saturday and Sunday. Plus, tomorrow we will have our Daily Dose Top 5 for you. You know you have to stop by for that. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose every day. Thank you so much for the feedback. Thank you for the texts and the tweets. And more than anything, thank you so much for sharing the show with someone that you know. We could not do any of this without you all sharing the show. We appreciate it so much. Hey, I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday.